0: For me, in all that I do, whether it's this Bible study or teaching a youth, it is letting the Lord drive. And like I I became aware of how the Holy Spirit communicates with me, and I've done that in the quiet of prayer to figure out how he is having conversation with me.
1: Hi everybody, this is Father John Arnold. I'm the pastor at St. Mark Parish in Oro Valley, Arizona. We have a remarkable Bible study going on in our parish that I want the entire diocese to know about. And at the heart of that Bible study, the leader is Meg and Court Randall. Today, my guest on this diocesan podcast is Meg Randall, because I thought other people might profit learning how Meg was inspired and how she and her husband Court um, began this great Bible study, which has about hundred participants in our in our parish, and I think enthusiastic participants. And so, Meg, would you tell our listeners about yourself and your family?
0: Um, my name is Meg Randall. Uh, my husband, Court, and I have been married for twenty-two years. Together for twenty-four, um, Court is actually a convert, and I actually think some of the best Catholics. Our, our converts. The most devout ones seem to be converts. Um, and we have really taken it upon ourselves to raise our four children, um, to be, uh, devout Catholics as well. And, um, I homeschool one of them and, um, I teach life teens, uh,
1: Confirmation, confirmation class.
0: Thank you so much. Sorry, That's my a reminder brain is of the going. seven sacraments. So. <laughs> my brain is going a mile a minute. Um,
1: so, what got you interested? I mean, some people are Catholics their whole life, but but you seem to be on fire with love of uh, love of Christ. What if you were to tell your own story? Why do you think you're so enthusiastic about the gospel?
0: Um. I mean, my story with the Bible actually started with a Presbyterian church. And when I um, I got confirmed in the Catholic church, and actually when I got confirmed, I remember two weeks before my confirmation telling my mom I don't want to be because I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing, and she just said, God knows what he's doing, and so do it. And she couldn't have been more right. And um, I ended up being picked up from there um, by a Presbyterian youth group and that youth group really formed me in um, in my faith, and my love of the Bible specifically. And once I started reading the Bible, like so many Catholic um, doctrines just started to make sense for me. Um, but I wouldn't say that that was my major growth. My major growth came when Court and I decided to get married and he, um, I actually at one point, could have been a reaver because I was tempted then to go over to the Presbyterian Church um, because he, coming from the Southern Baptist tradition, was absolutely, I will never be a Catholic. That would break my grandmother's heart. And so he wasn't even considering it until we got down to the point where I said, okay, I will consider other denominations, but I'd like you to look into that as well as the Catholic Church. And so... We got to a point where we needed to plan a wedding, and he, um, I went to him and I said, okay, I've done my research, the Presbyterian Church is where I feel most at home. And he said, that's unfortunate because I've been meeting secretly with a priest, and I signed up for RCIA, and I put you down as my sponsor.
1: Which I don't think canon law actually allows Meg. What? To be your, your fiance sponsor. Really? Well, no. I'm just telling you. We doesn't had a former
0: with... seminarian that was leading that at the oh. Newman Center at at Northern University. Well, the
1: former seminarian, of course, is the key phrase. Ah. Right? <laughs> so, what's it like to be a roaming Catholic that roamed back with your Baptist husband to the Catholic Church?
0: Okay, so like, I, I will tell you what it, it it could have made me lazy because the truth is, we um, had so many conversations that he had questions about the Catholic Church as we went along, and I did not sufficiently have answers. But I thought to myself, well, at least, I've always been told, marry a spiritual leader. And I thought, check, box did that. And, um, and so then I was like, okay, I can sit back and just let him lead. What I didn't realize in that moment was that he? We decided to have a one-income household, and he has to work, and he is a hustler to provide for our family. So that leaves little time for him to be very present in the faith formation and the catechesis. Not that he's not a support, but that piece then was kind of up in the air as to who's going to grab that ball. And we found ourselves at a point with our um, with our son, our oldest son. Um, that he was up for, we were like, do we go, we put him into Catholic school, do we go in, at that point, um, the the program of the church we were attending was called CCD, so do we put him into CCD, what do we do? So we decided to go with CCD, (laughs) and my husband knows me so well that we sat at that first meeting, the parent meeting, for his first grade class of CCD, and uh, the DRE walks in, and she said, I have um, good news and bad news. The good news is that um, I'm presenting an opportunity to a parent in this room. The bad news is that we have no teacher. And she said, so I'm here today to ask if one of you would prayerfully consider stepping up to teach this class. And my husband was sitting next to me and he grabbed my right hand and I'm right handed. But he didn't grab them both and my left just shot up in the air and like rolled his eyes. And because he knew that my inclination would be to step forward to volunteer. So
1: that's how you got involved in CCD? Yes. I know when I got here at St. Mark, you were helping to teach classes and especially um, the youth confirmation class, which you're doing now. Mm -hmm. But you made a transition from being a very enthusiastic teacher of kids from K through 12 uh, to adult education and trying to bring the gift of this love of the faith that you have to other adults, really peers, not children. Right. Was that transition difficult for you? No,
0: because it came out of one and the same. Because the truth is, as I was teaching the youth the conversations I would have with the littles from kindergarten to fifth grade to junior high. Um, At one point I was doing a third grade and a fourth grade class in another parish. The message across the nation was the same, from the mouths of babes. And the mouth was, my mom needs to take your class. My dad needs to take your class. And as I looked around at our family, And I started reading my Bible. The message that you need to teach your children was so forefront in my mind. It was clear as day. And I remember the first, the after having volunteered to do that one CCD class, we had to have like a staff meeting, and the DRE said. I need you guys to realize, and I don't know how we get this across to the parents, that if you back-to-back every hour of catechesis we have in a year with every child in here, it comes to 24 hours. That is one day of catechesis your child is getting in a year if you are not teaching your children. And then the question was, I'm not going to blame the parents. I want to help them learn to teach their children.
1: And so... How did you go from that um, to the Bible study that you're doing now using, I think it's Jeff Cavins' Great Unlocking, Adventure
0: Bible? It's from the Great Adventure Bible. It's called Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible. And
1: what's the structure of the course? Um,
0: the course? Um, well, you come in and then you watch a video and then we break into small groups. Um, And then um, there's table leads at each of these small, intimate tables that people have volunteered to lead. And it's really, I think people get intimidated when they're asked to lead something. But the truth of the matter is this is so user-friendly in that all that's asked of a table lead is just to read and drive conversation.
1: So unlocking the mystery of the Bible, and it has... A video that starts every class, uh-huh. and then I think you had about a hundred people in your class. We have a
0: little over a hundred registered it's it's, here and there on a weekly basis. And so you
1: break up into ten or fifteen tables.
0: We are at. We ended up. We started the week before the study was launching. We had eight. And within, we had enough to fill eight people at each table. So what's the math on that? 64.
1: 64.
0: Okay. So we had 64 I think it's 64. Come out your calculator and check. Man, if I can't do that math, I'm a bad homeschool mom. (laughs) So um, 64. But in that last week, we crouched over 100. And my husband was like, put a cap on it. Put a cap on it. We can't control that many. And I said, no. The Holy Spirit kicked open the door. Who are we to say no to him?
1: Yeah. And you're not going to control adults anyway. Hopefully, there <laughs> isn't a like massive revolt when you get to Leviticus and Numbers. Truth, but, but
0: do you mind if I go back to my inspiration for having done this? Do you oh, mind sure. If I do that. Okay, so, um, COVID, COVID hit. This 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 idea that we got to teach the parents to lead as spiritual leaders was on the forefront of my mind, and COVID hit. And that's when Court and I really jumped in. We segued from doing the junior high over to high school confirmation. Um, we had a daughter that was coming in, it. we wanted to, we, we have always wanted to be forefront in the for faith formation of our children, even if that means volunteering in the church. So she was coming up in her confirmation. We were doing the curriculum that was assigned to us over Zoom with 11 children. Oh, it was a tough time. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember. Yeah. But the thing about it was, you could still. You could still see in their faces if you were getting through. And that was that was actually kind of instrumental in the entire spark of this, is that um, there was one lesson we were particularly asked to do, which was a was just side, side-by-side comparison of Moses with the New Testament Jesus. So it was the parallels between the Especially two.
1: Especially in Matthew, where he's presented as the new Moses. That's
0: beautiful. I yeah. love all of it. I can't pick and choose my favorites, but the challenge was this and i started into what i was asked to do and i started talking about moses and then juxtaposing it with jesus and i looked at the faces of these kids on zoom and it was just blank and i stopped right then and there five ten minutes into my lesson and i said okay i just need you guys to be hardcore raw honest with me because if you don't tell me where we are at in your faith formation I cannot help you move forward. And I said so so here's my question. Raise your hand on Zoom if you know who Moses is. And two hands out of 11 went up. And these are sophomores in high school. They are considered properly formed and ready for this next step of confirmation. And then I said, okay, of the two of you with your hands raised, keep your hand up if you could retell me his story. And one hand went down. The only one up was my daughter. And I went, this is a problem. It is a problem because at this point what we're doing is we're giving kids tools to become effective effective evangelists. And if they have not been properly formed, and I'm not second-guessing how the Holy Spirit can make can fill in gaps. Not at all doing that. But I'm saying we need to think about how we're doing this differently from the bottom up to be able to get them prepared to have the conversation to go in and down
1: so this is what gave you the uh, idea of talking to parents and yes. grandparents about what's important yes to talk to teens and middle schoolers and little kids. Well,
0: because I think I've done all levels of catechesis. I've done kindergarten. I've done third grade. I've done fourth grade. I've done fifth grade. I led the junior high youth group for three years, and now I'm in with the high school. So I've, I've had a unique opportunity to see all age levels and how our curriculum is going. And I don't know that as a catechist, and, and I mean, and I don't mean to be negative, but I do think that the church doesn't ask enough how it's going. Because, I mean, there really is a desperate need for people to fill a seat. Yeah. Well, we. Really so I don't rely, blame them for that. We
1: really rely on catechists um, to, we always talk about teaching theology. I said, don't teach theology, teach the Bible. And then theology will come out of that because how we Catholics understand it is really, I think, how it is intended by God and the Holy Spirit. But, but I, sorry. But going to the parents. Um, so if you have to describe who's in your class, and you were to say demographics, how many people in your class are under the age of forty?
0: Um. Gosh. I wish I could answer that and the reason why I can't is because I really thought that this was an opportunity for me to really get to to feel a part of a family at the parish. And I wanted I have this desire, because I'm curious about people, to like know every single person in there but because it's so large my vision of what my role in this has really shifted okay let me so, put it this way yeah, go.
1: are there actually parents in your class yes okay. there are and how many do you think if you had to guess
0: i would say of the over 100 we have registered there may be 10 Okay. But I do think one of the things we eventually hope to pl- to expand to is offering childcare, and I think that if we if we did that, that um, that we might open up more opportunity for parents to come. But I don't know that it anymore. It's just about the parents, but it is. It's about feeding the family. Well,
1: it starts out with what your insight is. Is parents need to know their faith because yes. they come through our catechetical system. But I and do. Let me just oh, let me sorry. just say because I'm obviously I'm interested. In, in how we form families mm-hmm. also. And so focusing on the parents yeah. um, is is a key part here. Yeah. But childcare is part of it, but part of it is also the recognition that the reason you have so many older people in the class is they have the time.
0: Yeah. The yeah.
1: problem with parents is what you described about you in court. Busy. Someone's working full-time, mm-hmm. someone's at home full-time. You're trying to keep all these balls in the air yeah. and then make the time to do one more thing, if you had a vision for how a parish might attract more families into this adult education opportunity, what would you think it would look like?
0: I've brainstormed on this actually, Father, and I, I, I would love to have a solution. But I do think, like right now, our parish offers a moms group during RE. And part of the reason why I did step forward was logistical. In like way back in the beginning, was like I lived ten minutes from the church. It was gonna take me ten minutes to go home, ten minutes to come back to pick up, ten minutes. That was forty minutes that I was wasting in the car. And I thought, why? What? Like, what am I gonna accomplish in the meantime? I might as well stay. And learn more about my faith and be forefront as a model to my child of this attitude of service, which is part of my job as a, as, a, as a Christian parent, is to model behavior. So
1: one of the things that you think might be an important thing for parishes to consider is during RE to yeah. have a mom's group where moms can get yes. together and support each other in faith. You know, one of the things that we tried to make, and I don't know if you ever attended it, but is before COVID, we had a mass once a month called Family Faith Formation. Uh-huh. And in it, the kids, it was Sunday morning, and so the kids went to an RE class uh-huh. in the hall while the parents had an adult conversation mm-hmm. about um, um, raising children and the, and the challenges of raising children in the Catholic faith. And I think we'd have uh, maybe 40 families attend that, and then it would close with Mass. Mm-hmm. It worked because it was on Sunday morning and people wanted to go to Mass anyway. But you need multiple priests to pull it yeah, off if you are going to do the Mass part. But it's a great idea. People are very receptive to it. So let me ask you, because we're focusing on this adult opportunity, what do you think people are getting out of this opportunity of, of uh, adult Bible education?
0: I think, and I hate to call COVID a blessing, right? because I know that it was tragic for a lot of God people. God can bring good to the cross, but man. I know you see it throughout the entire Bible. Like That's there's it. there's devastation and then redemption, but I, I think I think. Your wisdom actually was really great. When I came to you with this idea of like, we're going to build this Bible timeline as a parish group. And I we're think my start... response
1: was, no, never. No, never it was never do wasn't, anything
0: different at St. It Mark. wasn't. It was, yeah, I couldn't believe actually how open, because I had prayed about it. And I threw out, the, I remember starting this email and I was like, do I, don't I, do I. And it's when the Holy Spirit talks to me, and I don't. I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit... I just feel like I'm very in tune with him. I try, I pray to be in tune with him and and follow his urgings. But when I was writing this email about, I would like to set up a meeting, this is the nature of it. I was so nervous that you would shoot it down. But then when I got in that meeting and I said, here's my vision, we're gonna start with the junior high, then we're gonna expand to the high school, and finally we're gonna hook the parents. And then we're gonna spread it to the whole entire church and i couldn't i couldn't have been more pleased with how welcoming you were and in fact your enthusiasm was like yes are you ready to go today and i was like what i did i was gobsmacked because i did not expect for your response to be that and you just wanted to to hit the ground running and and that has been a biggest blessing to me being able to um, to kind of drive this and um, out of it um, I think I think opportunity meant circumstance, and people coming out of COVID, you had said, okay, when do we plan this? I think it takes minds to strategize when's the perfect opportunity for God to reach people.
1: Oh, and that's today. And that's why if you have something that's actually a program, one of my favorite movies is a movie called Captain Ron starring Martin Short, um, Kurt Russell, and um, oh, I can't, Mary Kay Place. And I thought it was a wonderful movie, but uh, he's a wreck of a captain, and he's got a wreck of a ship. There's no way they should be going out to sea, and what Captain Ron says, he says, hey, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen out there. And I'm a believer is you can plan all you want, you learn by doing. So if you were to give words of advice to people who are interested in their parish about talking to their pastor about trying to do something to reach parents with the Word of God, and they had a good idea, maybe it's this Jeff Cavens program, Unlocking the Mysteries of the Bible. Maybe they have another idea. What would you advise them about change-making in their parish?
0: Well, I mean, the first go-to move is always prayer. And it's always just offering yourself up as a vessel. Let me be, Lord. I had this prayer right before we got into this podcast. Lord, use me as a vessel. Let me be a conduit for your word. And I think that that is always key because the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you anywhere that God doesn't need.
1: So prayer is number yes. one. Yes. And what? then
0: I would say um, find a good material and a, a one that speaks to you because if you're passionate about it, it will come across. And so I actually got the preview of this material. I did it myself with a handful of friends to see that it was as good as I hoped it would, before we launched it on a big scale. So we had a test subject.
1: So number two is, first say prayers. Number two, find something you like that appeals to you. Yeah,
0: because passion is underrated. And then,
1: is there a third rule?
0: Um, I would say... um,
1: How about talk to your pastor?
0: No, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was absolutely that's key here. That's the first step. <laughs> um, yeah, let's move that to number one.
1: No, that's talk not to number dad, one. Me... I think... If you start with prayer, and I say if you're gonna have a difficult conversation, you always pray. I always pray to Mary. And I think that really is how you move something forward where you can actually say, I'm trying to live in the Holy Spirit and the inspiration. To do your paper, do you do your groundwork? Find something that inspires you, not something that you think is acceptable to others, but something you love and then share that love with others. That's what evangelization is. And then when you go and talk to your pastor, uh, you've got a plan. You've got, you've appealed to God. You should expect that what's going to happen is responsive to God's will for you and your parish, and this great desire that we bring all families within our parish um, to our Lord. So this is a good time to maybe think of closing words. You've given some good advice. You've explained your story. You've talked about uh, what's happening and unlocked the mysteries of the scripture. What's good about it, you've got 100 people. You wished you had more families and figuring out how to do that. And maybe childcare helps. Um, Maybe it's the timing or a different event where you can do it. Um, I think different people have uh, different successes. Um, and failures, and both are fine. I mean, that's the story of Scripture, really. Success and failure, but you keep putting one foot in front of the other. If you were to say closing words, whatever wisdom you've taken out of this, um, what would you lay the last thing you'd like people to think of as they listen to this podcast?
0: For me, in all that I do, whether it's this Bible study or teaching a youth, It is letting the Lord drive. And like I I became aware of how the Holy Spirit communicates with me, and I've done that in the quiet of prayer to figure out how he is having conversation with me. And taking that and being resolved to be obedient. And he has done the rest. Out of this, we actually, we've put 200 Bibles in the hands of youth at our church in the last year and we have sold out Ascension Press on this material because the Holy Spirit urged me to kick the door open so that he could speak and I would I cannot underestimate the the power of the Holy Spirit when you allow him to lead
1: so let we just close with a prayer to the Holy Spirit we can pray this together. Okay. Come, Holy, Holy spirit, spirit, fill, fill the, the hearts, hearts of thy faithful, faithful, and, faithful and, kindle and kindle in them, them the fire of thy, love. Send, thy
0: spirit, love. send forth thy spirit
1: and thou shalt be created and thou, thou shalt, shalt renew, renew the face of the, face of the earth. earth. Amen. Amen. And so we pray for all those listening to this podcast that they can evangelize both in and outside their parish. Um, and I... Appreciate the time you've spent here, Meg, talking about this wonderful desire that you have to share the love of God. I think some people um, are always looking for a way that could evangelize, um, but, uh, but have trouble uh, feeling confidence uh, in going forward. But I think that the plan that you've offered about praying about it, finding a program that you're, uh, you're interested in that inspires you, and asking your pastor if you can share it with other people in your parish, that this is a good plan. And so let's hope that um, in sowing these seeds, uh, some come to, to great fruition and bear, what, 30, 50, 100-fold. Uh, thank you, and God bless you and your family, Meg. Thank and you. God bless all our listeners. Thank you. And so this has been another episode of our Diocese of Tucson podcast.